Uh, if you follow the hockey at all. I graduated from the U of A a bunch of years ago and uh, always glad to come back. My family is still here. In fact, somewhere I'd, my folks are here even this morning. I'd, I, can't, uh, I can't actually see them. Are they here? Oh. Okay, I heard sounds. Um, thank you for welcoming me to come and to be part of this missions month. I wonder when you see this picture here, <clears throat> what country comes to mind? Russia. And... Uh, we actually lived in Russia. When we were called to be mission workers, that's the term that I will use for missionaries, um, we were called first to Ukraine and then into Russia. And so we lived in a province that was way out in the middle of Russia. The province and a city there go by the same name, Krasnoyarsk. And in the language of, in, in the Russian language, the R, er, doesn't sound like er. It sounds like this. Try it with me. Rrr. Well, that's pretty good. So let's try Krasnoyarsk. Krasnoyarsk. Oh, it's pretty good. Some good language learners here. You could become missionaries. <laughs> we could work on that. Um, it is very cold out there. Krasnoyarsk is about the same as Laklabish. So if you were to go north to Laklabish, you would be at the same latitude as Krasnoyarsk, and it was uh, colder, of course. Uh, when we went out, our family looked like this. We had one little guy. Uh, my wife, Kathleen, by the way, sends her warm greetings from London. Uh, this is us now. We've been blessed with three precious kids. John is the eldest. He's about to graduate from Moody, Moody Bible Institute. He'll be a pastor. Tim is actually in South Korea at the Olympics on a ministry team with YWAM there. And Anna is in grade eight, and she's holding the fort at home. They send their warm greetings uh, from the east. This is what Pastor Mel was talking about. The McClure family, Todd and Peggy McClure. Peggy is my sister. And so I always love coming to Edmonton. And uh, Do you know Spicy Uno? Do you guys know Spicy Uno? I was teaching them Spicy Uno. It's a great game. You can ask me another time. Um, I also want to say thank you for supporting mission workers like Carmen, who gave us a report from Italy today, and others, including John and Sharon Wicker, who serve with SEND. Uh, John, and, John is a dear friend of mine. We room together at least once a year when we go to director's council and love serving together. John and Sharon, faithful workers and Slack family uh, woven in. Thank you for being a church that sends out workers and supports them as they seek to make disciples among all the nations. Send International, we define ourselves this way, as a global movement of Jesus followers. Send workers come from 17 different countries now. About 20% of our mission members, or 550 of us, come from countries other than Canada and North America. And we work in about 55 different people groups around the world. I really appreciated that it was mentioned this morning that we're cooperating with TEAM. Our mission agencies are doing a better and better job of cooperating together. And as a director, I think that's a really important thing, that we continue to cultivate that, that we're not competing with each other, but we're going in the same direction. And it's great to see Carmen this morning hear her report on how the Lord is working in Italy. I put my email address on there in case uh, that's any help in getting the notes from this. If you like to look at the PowerPoint afterwards or any of the slides, I'm going to have more charts and pictures next week, actually. But I've also made a study guide for this particular message. And if that's of interest to you through this week and you'd like to reach out to me, you can just write something that says study guide, please, or something like that. And I would be glad uh, to get that to you. Carmen has a booth out in the foyer. I encourage you to go by and say hi to her and send. I put up a, a very small booth there with a few pieces of literature. This is my favorite one. It looks like this. 
this one here, and it has a prayer request on each day of the week, how to pray for your missionaries. It doesn't need to, be, need to be a send missionary, any missionaries you pray for. Each day of the week, there's a list of prayer requests. If you turn it over, it's how you can pray for the missionary kids who are serving on the field while their families are there. So um, you can stop by to those booths, say hello, and pick up some of that literature. The last thing I'll mention is just a creative thing. Anybody here listen to podcasts? Well, a few here and there. Podcasts are like radio programs that go out through the internet, and we've started the Global Missions Podcast, and it's a 30-minute interview every two weeks on some topic related to missions. This week, on Tuesday, we'll post, I think it's episode number 72, and so there's lots of information there, different parts of the world, different ways of serving in mission short-term for missions committees and those of you who are at home, how to care for missionaries when they're on home service, all kinds of topics in there that you might find uh, interesting. You can find that uh, on the website, globalmissionspodcast.com, or uh, iTunes and Google Play and all that good stuff there. I think that's it for introductions. I want to just come back to this slide here because it fits so perfectly. Uh, as Pastor Mel said, we talked, uh, we first talked almost a year ago, and then in the fall we were praying over what, what would the Lord have us bring as a theme this month? And I love the way it's worked out. I'll tell you this, this may be one of the most unusual messages that I've ever personally presented at a missions conference. And what I mean by that is this, I live in the world of missions, of course, and I'm familiar with some of the trends and some of the events and some of the challenges that are being faced around the world. I get to speak to groups from time to time, like this church. So we, we bring stories from the field and we share how God is at work and We'll share about the challenges being faced by church planters and whether they're using medical ministry or sports ministry or they're helping people escape from human trafficking and slavery or they're using sports. All of these things we try and demonstrate in pictures and charts. But I have come to the conviction that it's not the right place to start. It's not the right place to start. And and the reason is we're looking for, I am praying for, a sustained and faithful effort to engage the unreached with the message of Jesus. And so what that means, if we're going to have a sustained and faithful effort, it's going to mean families will be called to incredible commitment. It will mean for some families uh, leaving their life here in Canada, laying down their life, you could say, laying it down here and taking it up in another place, like Carmen has taking it up in Italy. It will mean families who remain here being willing to release their kids and their grandkids into mission, which is not easy to do. It's a high price to pay. It will mean churches who will faithfully support, often for years before there's fruit to be seen. It will take patience and endurance on the part of senders to accomplish this. And what I've come to the to the conviction is that even with nice PowerPoints and photos and graphs, that it's not the first thing. The first thing is that we need to revisit the treasure of the gospel. I describe it this way, just jotted it down here. I believe that unless we ourselves understand and treasure the treasure, we are very unlikely to have much interest in the unreached. Unless you are treasuring the treasure, it's unlikely that you have much interest in the unreached because we have other priorities. 
And our natural selves will turn back to ourselves and to our own interests. So last week, Pastor Dave got us started, right? His message was on the nature of the gospel, and he called it a beautiful treasure. And he went to Matthew 13 in that parable, and he said there was a treasure hidden in the field, and the man went away and he sold everything that he had so that he could buy that field. And another gentleman was looking for fine pearls, and he went and found that pearl, and then he sold everything that he had so he could acquire that pearl. So what we can say then is, those of us that have the gospel now, that are here in Ellerslie Road Baptist Church and have heard the gospel, if you have received it, you are now a treasure bearer. You have the treasure. You have the treasure, as Paul said in his book, in a clay pot. And that's why this is such a beautiful, I think, expression. But we don't want it to stay in the pot. We want it to come out. Today we're going to focus on treasuring the treasure. And next week we'll focus on sharing the treasure. So I'd invite you, if you've got a Bible, to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapters 4 and 5. And I'm going to pull out some verses from these two chapters as we go. As we turn there, let me just remind you that Paul is writing a letter to his dear friends in the city of Corinth. That's what this, this book is. And it's important to remember that they have a church there because of Paul. There was no church before Paul. He was the church planter that brought the gospel to them. And so he's writing this balanced book. On one hand, he has a love for his friends, and in spite of their imperfections and the challenges that they have had, and if you know First and Second Corinthians, they've had a lot of challenges. He loves them, and he will not let them go. And on the other hand, he has a commitment to God's truth, and he will not let that go. And he brings them together in this book that we call Second Corinthians. This morning, I want to ask this question. What was true of Paul? How can we use him as a role model of someone who is treasuring the treasure. And I'd like to, first I'm going to bring some reminders of what, what the wrong way of treasuring is, and then I've got three ideas that I'd like to send you out with in just a few minutes, three ideas about how we can treasure the treasure right here in Edmonton, Ellerslie Road. Uh, just before we come to this, would you join me in prayer? Let's just bring this, these ideas and uh, this presentation to the Lord. Father, thank you for the time that we have to share together this morning. Thank you for the worship team that was here leading us, for Paige and Tim and others who brought their gifts, and we brought our worship to you together. Thank you for each woman and man and young person, child who's here. We believe it's by your design. And I pray now that as we open your word together, that you would help us to understand and to embrace your truth. Help us, Lord, especially where it rubs us in difficult ways. Help us not to shy away from difficult things, but to examine our lives and the way we think in light of your truth. This is our prayer this morning, and we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, treasuring the treasure. That's the title I chose, a little bit corny. Treasure the treasure told my kids about it. They're like, Dad, really? Okay. What I mean is this. We have this term treasure, and it can be used as a noun or a verb. I'm going to quickly read uh, the quote that I put in here. The heart for God-glorifying mission starts with joy in the gospel. 
This is back to the introduction, and I missed the slide. What I wanted to say, this came from a reading this week. The heart for God-glorifying mission starts with joy in the gospel. Not with charts, not with stories, but with the gospel. Our churches must first cherish the God who sent his own son to save sinners like us. Churches won't extend themselves to commend the gospel until they deeply cherish the gospel. I read that just this week. The message was already prepared, and I thought it, it fit really well. Now, back to the term and when I was talking with my kids, treasure can be a noun, right, treasure, or a verb, to treasure. You get what I mean? Nod. Yes, okay, we're getting there. All right, so treasure, a noun. What is a noun, first of all? It helps. What is, what is a noun? Person, place, or thing? I got it. Okay, so in your own words, someone help me, what is treasure? How do you describe it? How do you define it? Something valuable, I heard. What else? Loud? Okay, well, I heard the valuable. Something that is valuable. Just a little bit valuable? Or big value, right? Here's one of the definitions. Wealth, such as money, jewels, or precious metals, stored up. And I didn't like this word, but I left it in there because it was in the definition, or hoarded. Hoarded. Keep it to myself. I'll keep that over here. Thank you. It can also be something or someone of great value or someone who is precious. I saw a little London in the arm here uh, when we were praying for her. She was precious. People can be precious. Things can be precious. We can treasure them. Now, here's the, a verb is what? An action word, and it means to ascribe value or to value highly or to cherish And so when I put these words together, and this is where the kids thought it was a little corny, maybe you can go with me, it's possible then for us to treasure, treasure, verb, noun. Get it? Treasure, treasure. And I think it's actually a danger. This is what I have in the reminders. I think that it is a risk for us. There are all kinds of verses, of course, that caution us against uh, undue focus on money or physical riches, right? But let's face it. Let's think about our lives for real. In Edmonton, 2018, this is, this is kind of important. Like, money is important in our world, right? A lot of our life decisions are wrapped into this question of how will I be financially? Which job will I take? Or which job will I leave? And am I saving enough? Uh, do we need both a husband and wife to work to make this household really function well? Will we have enough When will I be able to retire? Will I have enough for that? What car should I drive? What house should I own? Should I buy a boat? Should I buy a bigger boat? All these questions are constantly rubbing against us as society challenges us. And the Lord Jesus does challenge us with this. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves what? Treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven, he says. Make sure that you have that view. So let's be careful that we don't just treasure, treasure. So I'll change it a little bit. Treasure, ah, treasure. Just a treasure. Smoke, uh, lowercase t. 
I would submit to you that there are many things in Canada in these days that are treasures, and there are very good things, and we are encouraged and even commanded to be thankful. But we need to be careful that they don't get into the wrong priority slot. They don't get up to what's most important for us. I picked three to mention to you this morning. See, if you, uh, if you agree, I'll ask you to think through them with me. The first is our comfort. Our comfort zone. The way we live is the way we like it. And let's face it, Canada is a comfortable place to live. Does anyone here enjoy being comfortable? Yes. It's natural. It's our natural self. And in spite of all our problems with the economy and health care and cold weather, and the Oilers. Canada is still far and away one of the finest countries to live in. We have freedoms that we hardly even notice. You can go anywhere you want today. You can meet with whoever you want. You can come to church here and worship. You're free to do that. My son, I mentioned, is in South Korea. And they went up to the border, and there's an observatory there. And they looked out from the observatory into the country of North Korea, the number one country on the persecution list against believers. Your sisters and brothers, the number one country. They cannot go where they want. They cannot say what they want. They cannot meet together when they want to. Our freedom is a wonderful blessing. It is a treasure, small t treasure. We have efficiency and convenience here that makes Canada a great place. Well, efficiency. I was coming out to turn left onto, I think it was 111th Street there, and there was that LRT train now that's there. That was not efficient. (laughs) Okay? But many things in Canada are. And we used to talk about microwave ovens, right? Instead of warming your oven to 350 degrees, you just throw it in and zap it for 30 seconds. How many of you still have dial-up internet? Everything's wireless. Your GPS will recalculate and tell you to make the corner. Amazon Prime will deliver it by Tuesday at the latest. We live in this place. Our comfort zone is pretty comfortable. Let's not make it the top treasure. Second, and it's related to comfort, our safety and security. We live in a safe place. You can trust the police officers in this city. When we went overseas and we lived overseas, we could not necessarily teach our children to trust a policeman. If you get lost here, you talk to a policeman. Not necessarily. We're safe. We have security. We have insurance plans. How many of you have a Wi-Fi password on your uh, at at home when you have Wi-Fi? You have a password on it? Yes, you have security. Okay, some of you aren't saying whether you got security or not. You should have a password on that. How many of you locked the doors of your vehicle when you came into church this morning? Yes, a few of you. It tells tells you about the trust level in the room, doesn't it? Got to watch those Baptists. But we live in a safe place. You can pick up the phone and call for EMS in an ambulance or a fire truck. We'll be here in a matter of minutes. We have all those things. They are treasures for us. Small T. Last one. This one's really tough. You ready? Family. We're taught to treasure family. We say, just a minute, Rob. Just a minute. Doesn't, don't the scriptures say that there's to be care and respect in families? Absolutely, there is. Absolutely. It's one of the finest treasures, I would submit, with a small T.
because it's possible that we elevate our kids or our family into places that are too high. We want to provide them with everything they need. We want them to be happy. We want them to have what we didn't have, things like that. But is it possible that it rises too high and it becomes the priority, the treasure? This is something that needs real care and wisdom and sensitivity. But it does help us make sense of some of Jesus' very hard sayings. When he says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Those are Jesus' words. And anyone who leaves their houses or their families or their children for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and inherit eternal life. Jesus is cautioning us here that family is very, very important, but it is not the treasure. Make sense? That's a hard one. May I say this in the context of missions? One of the greatest barriers to people going into mission and being willing to go and to leave their home and to go to an unreached people group is the family who wants them to stay. Parents who very understandably, can I just say this very carefully? My, my own parents are here. They stood at the airport, and I still remember, mom and dad, when we were in Ottawa with that little boy that you saw. He was just a little fella. And we were getting on the airplane, and Grandma, that was pre-9-11, so you could, you could stand really close to where the gates are and stuff, and Grandma was still holding that little boy. And they were saying, you know, in the airports, Paging Grant and Kathy Magwood, your flight is boarded, the door is closing. If you don't get here right away, we're going without you. And I had to reach and take our 15-month-old little boy, their only grandchild, and say, we got to go. It is not a small price for families to engage with mission, but it is necessary and it is worth it. And perhaps the Lord will call some of you as parents or grandparents to with great faith and trust in the Lord release them to serve in missions. Well, we've had fun with this treasure a treasure thing. Now I'm coming to it. Treasure the treasure. So I underlined it, put a capital T on it. For the rest of this morning, I'd like to talk about treasuring the treasure, capital T. In fact, I rewrote it this way. You know, if you're on your on your device. You put asterisks around it to make it the treasure. It's the top one. It's the top treasure. And how will we go about that? We'll learn from Paul three things. Three things that Paul had and that he cultivated in his life in order to treasure the treasure. The first is this. A bright sense of God's goodness. A bright sense of God's goodness. He wrote this in chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the sin, excuse me, the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Friends, if you have received the good news this morning, and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you are saved by the grace and the goodness of God. And nobody said amen. You are saved by the goodness of God. Do you remember this morning what good news that is? You know, there are, there are 
summaries of Bible truth. People write about doctrine and theology. That's the study of God's truth. And and, uh, some of it's very short. You can find a few pages in a study Bible sometimes. It'll help you summarize God's truth. Or you can read a big book like my son is in Bible school, 1,200 pages of theology. In fact, Dr. Karl Barth wrote a summary, and it took him 14 volumes to describe his summary of God's truth. And a student came to him one day and said, Dr. Bart, what is the most profound thing you have ever thought about? Dr. Bart thought for a moment, and then he replied this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible told me so. It was the most important thing, the core thing. And these days, people are looking to be loved. If you are in Christ, you are loved, and there isn't anything that you can do to change that. Your heavenly Father is holding fast to you. I was uh, listening to some music in the airplane uh, on the way out and uh, came across this song, and I just jotted in the lyrics here to share with you. So won't you come? It's an invitation. The singer says, so won't you come? Come, you who are weary and burdened. Anyone feel weary or burdened today? You heavy laden and you hurting, all of you with nothing left, come and find rest. This is the goodness of God in our lives. The chorus of that song goes like this. What if I were the one to tell you that the fight's already been won? I think your day's about to get better. What if I were the one to tell you that the work's already been done? It's not good news. Does anyone know the punchline? It's the best news ever. This is a truth that so enthralled Paul, what God had done for him. He was so confident that he was loved, that he was safe, that it affected him. And it began to bubble up out of his life, and it was shared with other people. The treasure began to come out. So here's the first of three quick reflective questions. How often do I remember and revel in God's goodness toward me? How often have you stopped and celebrated the gospel truth in your life? That you are loved and it will not let you go. I want to remind you that you are free now. That you have been forgiven. Whatever you have done, wherever you found yourself, whatever mess you made of anything... There is a way home now to your heavenly Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember that you are at peace with God and that there is opportunity to be at peace with everyone else because of the gospel? Do you remember that you are safe? Another song that came to mind is, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a son of God. I'm a child of God. And that you have purpose. You know that you're here for a reason? Many of our dear young people are wondering, what's the the purpose? Why Why am I here? Let's face it, many of us who are not so young anymore wrestle with that question. Why am I here? That you have a purpose. Through God's goodness, you are here for a reason. So I just sum it up by saying this. If you have put your faith in Christ, you are a daughter or a son of the high king. And nothing can change that. Paul had a bright sense of God's goodness in his life. 
The second is a bright sense of eternity. Paul had an ongoing sense that what we see around us, what we feel right here, is not all there is. So he wrote this, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. He has other verses nearby. He says, our light and momentary troubles are, re- are achieving for us an eternal glory. And we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It's not a very popular doctrine, to be honest, in these days. That there's going to be a judgment, but Paul writes it right in this same chapter. When this world is finished and when we pass into eternity, there will be a judgment. Are we ready for that? Are those that we know ready for that? As normal as it seems to us, day by day by day, this world around us is not all that exists. And if we will see things through that lens of eternity, then our view changes a bit. Let me ask you to think about that. If you think about uh, eternity, who does it apply to? You are eternal. Your soul is eternal. Your family's souls are eternal. The people that you know in your neighborhood and in your workplace are eternal. The people who live in other places far from access to the gospel, some of the the flags are around the auditorium this morning. They have eternal souls. C.S. Lewis said it this way, you have never met a mortal soul. Everyone will live forever. The question is, will we live in heaven in relationship with God? Or will we live eternally? You know what I'm going to say next, right? Separated from God. In hell. Eternity is real. Paul remembered that. I wonder whether we do. How how we do at that? How are you doing it? Now look at some of these things with me through the lens of eternity. How about your money? The money that you have, the treasure, small t, treasure, in light of eternity. The talents and abilities that you've been given in light of eternity. The energy and time that we've been given. Time is short. Eternity. My encouragement this morning to you, to me, is to have a bright sense of eternity and that when we do, those things that were formerly important will begin to fade and the things that are most important will emerge. So here's the second reflection question. To what degree is eternity a part of my daily thinking? What are those things that remind me of eternity? And I need more of those. And what are the things that numb me, that put me to sleep or lull me from this urgency in eternity? Do I need to remove those or limit those in my life? A bright sense of God's goodness and a bright sense of eternity. The very last one is a bright sense of ambassadorship. 
Now, this morning you've already seen me kind of play with words. I'm not sure if I really invented this word, ambassadorship, but you see embedded in there that very important word of ambassador. This is what Paul said in chapter 5, verse 18. God has reconciled us to himself in Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Given us, or gave us in this translation, the ministry of reconciliation. He gave it to you. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Somehow, in the reasons that only God can understand, in concert with his authority and his sovereignty, he made you the delivery system for the gospel. It's been entrusted to you. You are the clay pot now, and you have the treasure inside. And we are entrusted with taking it to those that have little or no opportunity to hear it. Here's a photo. Do you recognize this place? Where is this photo taken? Ottawa. This is in front of the Parliament buildings uh, there. And uh, my wife grew up in Ottawa, so from time to time, visiting at her church, there would be people who visited from the government systems or from, uh, well, all the structures that are there. And on one occasion, there was an ambassador who came. He was an ambassador from an Asian country. And his purpose was to explain to us what his role was as an ambassador. And he said this, as an ambassador, it is my responsibility and privilege to come to your country and to represent my king. Sometimes the policies that he delivered were happily received by his Canadian counterparts, and it was all warm and friendly. And other times the policies he delivered were not in congruence with Canada, and there was friction he was the primary recipient of all the reactions that came to that message. They didn't respond directly to his king at home. He was the messenger, the message bearer on behalf of his country and his king. What he did not have, however, and he said this clearly, what I do not have is the ability, the right, or the authority to change the message. It was not his place. And you can see the parallels that I want to draw out for us today. It's not our place to change the message, friends. Even some of the things that we've spoken of this morning that are difficult, that it will be costly to do missions, that missions is built on the reality of eternal, eternity, which means both heaven and hell. But we cannot change the message. We must bear the message. We are message bearers, friends. The Lord does work in remarkable ways, but the principal way he's bringing people to himself across the world is through relationships with believers. You may have heard that in the Middle East, the Lord is using dreams and visions, and he is. But very often it works like this. There's a dream or a vision where an unbeliever meets some type of a being who says the truth is coming to you. Or you must worship me, but it's not complete. And then comes a messenger. The messenger comes with. And that's where we need you to be. That's where the Lord is calling you to be. Whether it's here in Edmonton. Or some faraway place perhaps. It's said now 
on the Joshua Project that somewhere around 80% of Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus, 80% of Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus have never met a Christian. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation as though we are God's ambassadors. So let me ask you this, the last question, and we'll be finished. How bright is your sense of ambassadorship? To what degree are you living that out in the context where the Lord has put you right now? Are you reflecting with reverence and honor the character of the king who sent you? Are you consciously aware that you've been entrusted with the message? Are you ready to share that message if you even had the chance? Are you ready? Do you need to get ready? Do you need to review anything so that if you did have a chance to share the good news, you could? And are we as a church, as God's people, in a place as comfortable as Canada, fulfilling our responsibilities to be goers into mission and prayers for missions and givers for missions? So here's the diagram again, the, the beautiful little pot there. It's common pot. It's a clay pot. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Today I wanted to focus on the treasure for us. And my request is that this week you would focus on these ideas and find a way to, to uh, consider whether you are treasuring the treasure. You can ask you, at lunch, when you're having lunch today, or sometime this week when you meet someone, which of these three points, as a teacher, I want to say, which of the three points do you want to work on most? Do you need to circle one of those and pray into it? Say, Lord, I really want to work on this. I want to be more aware of your goodness in my life. Or I want to be more aware of eternity and how it affects me and my friends. Or I want to be more aware of my ambassadorship. Which one will you work on? And next week, we'll come back together to... Uh, look at more of those charts and maps that I talked about. Next week, we're going to talk about sharing the treasure. Here it is, finally. Say it with me, would you? We need to cultivate a bright sense of God's goodness, cultivate a bright sense of eternity, and cultivate a bright sense of ambassadorship. I'm going to close in prayer. Paige, would you and the worship team please come? We'll close singing together. And I just want to pray for us, for you, as we head into this week, that we will brightly treasure the treasure. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your word this morning and for these lessons and reminders from Paul. And I pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would help us to be mindful of these things, so that we treasure the treasure and that that would be the foundation. And then as we look outward at our world, across the street, across the hallway, where we live, in our workplaces, to the newer Canadians who are arriving to our neighborhoods and settling in, and to those who are in faraway places, Lord, I pray that you would have your way among us. Teach us. We are your people. And we desire to be found faithful. And we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.
please stand with us and sing. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, 